From the beginning, we started Everyday Driver to help people find cars they will love. Commuting is a chore, but driving should be fun. If you like to drive, then there are cars where your budget, needs, and fun all intersect, and we want to help you find them. I'm Paul. I'm Todd, and this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Welcome back, everybody. We are really excited to be doing this, and we're getting great response from you. As a matter of fact, we are getting quite a lot of response, and requests yes, are pouring yes. in on Facebook and our Everyday Driver TV Gmail. It's awesome to see. So thank you for listening. This is great. And uh, by the way, Todd and I are having a lot of fun doing this, so uh, this yeah. is, this we, is we, excellent. We kind of expected to be bombarded by uh, car debate requests, but I still don't think we had any idea. <laughs> I'm not but sure But thank you, did. guys. Yeah. EverydayDriverTV uh, at Gmail is the email address. Please do not send to EverydayDriver at Gmail. That is not us. EverydayDriverTV at Gmail That's a great is point. us. Definitely send your requests there. Well, you can also send to Facebook uh, as well. Yes, that's true. Uh, tonight, uh, well, uh, we're recording this tonight, but uh, for this podcast, we are talking about horsepower wars to start off with this is just a little bit of a discussion that we want to talk about and that's specifically just gotten absurd uh, about that uh, Hellcat Challenger at over 700 horsepower and uh, yeah (laughs) man uh, speaking about Facebook this is uh, the first car debate is from Eric in New York he wrote in on Facebook and then car debate number two is from Matt in Florida yeah, so we're going to start covering uh, two every episode now. From now on, we're going to be doing two car debates per episode. Still going to try to keep it to about a half hour, but we are getting enough requests, and we're excited enough to move through this. We're going to try to cover two of you guys' debates per half hour. So uh, we're going to dive right back in with the Horsepower Wars. This is the pretty Hellcat crazy. The Hellcat Challenger. <laughs> 707 horsepower, 605 pound-feet of torque. Which, for those of you following along at home, yes, that is more powerful on paper than the Viper. That's absurd. And, you know, here at Everyday Driver, we have talked a long time about how stats on paper really don't equate to the driving experience. And I I think everybody listening pretty much knows that. But there's, there's such a contingent of people that think, oh, the more is better. And maybe we're at a point where... You know, how much is too much? You know, there's a lot to talk about here, but specifically this challenger is ridiculous. Look, look, obviously the other point that we always make is is you cannot, I mean, Paul has coined it and we use it all the time. You can't drive a spec sheet. You can't judge a car by the stats that you read. We will acknowledge we have not driven this challenger. We know and have heard from people that have, but we haven't driven it. But 707 horsepower. I want to talk about some other comparative horsepower figures just to put that number in perspective. But the question that I really have is, who is this for? Or to put it another way, (laughs) what is this for? I mean, I I have no doubt. I have no doubt in my mind because the Challenger already is an attitude-filled car. It is fun because of the attitude. This will only add to the attitude. I have no doubt about that without even driving it. I know that's the case. I have heard and seen that they've upgraded the interior, which was the Achilles heel of that car. The Challenger interior was terrible. It needed an upgrade. Yeah, it did. So that's all good news. But honestly, I have to say, though I, I have no doubt it's fun, this just feels like a bar fight bragging right car to me. You know, got a story for everybody listening, and, and it's about the prior generation Corvette ZR1. And what did that have? 640, 620, somewhere in there? A little, was, a little over six. Yeah, at the time, it was the most powerful car we'd driven. It's a little over 600. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we drove this car. Go watch that review. But both of us 
drove it independently just before we started doing our review. And mm -hmm. Todd, I remember you got out of that car and a little bit later on, you were sort of grabbing your shoulders going, huh, what are, I, I think I pulled my shoulder muscle, something like that. And then I, I drove it later on, and uh, I was in third gear at about 50 miles an hour, and I thought, all right, let's see how far the accelerator pedal goes to the floor. And I mashed the throttle, and, you know, you, you catch your neck, you know. And yeah, of course you do. Yeah, yeah. Instantly just sort of catch your head snapping backwards. And then later I got out of the car, and I thought, no, it was the car. I hurt myself in the yeah. car, and you hurt yourself <laughs> with horsepower. This is ridiculous. You just you, you you feel the extra weight of your head. I'm hearing the Jerry <laughs> Maguire human head weight weighs eight pounds thing in my head right now. But, nice. But you, you you feel the extra weight of your head in those horsepower moments. But but here's here's some comparative stuff real quick. This is a Challenger. This is not the Viper. By the way, smaller engine than the Viper, but more powerful than the Viper. Of course, Dodge is defending themselves by saying yes, but the Viper weighs less. Which okay, almost everything on the road weighs less than the Challenger. <laughs> if we're true. going to talk about that's it. not hard to do. But exactly. But here's the thing. Let's talk about cars that are icon cars for car enthusiasts. I want to start with the Countach. Uh -huh. Most powerful version of the Countach, 450 horsepower. Okay, that's. 250 horsepower down from what we're talking about. The the Ferrari F40, yes, I'm talking stats here. I know that's a little insane, but the Ferrari F40 is obviously debated as one of the best driver's car cars ever. 478 horsepower. Wow. Wow. The R8, a car that we both love, and I'm talking the V8 version here. The yeah. V8 R8. You can go V10, of course, but I'm telling you the R8 in, in V8 form is a fantastic car. Oh, yeah. 420 horsepower. 420 with 320 uh, pound-feet of torque. Now, look at those numbers comparative right now. We're talking nearly a 300 horsepower difference and nearly a 300 pound-feet difference going to this Challenger. Brings me back to the question, what is this car for? And, and honestly, don't get me wrong, I'm not picking on the Challenger. I want to drive it, but I, I feel like we're reaching a place where the point of these horsepower numbers are for bragging rights and not for driving. You can't use that in a Starbucks. You're, you're going to launch yourself into the Taco Bell on the other side of the on the drive-through. There's no you way. Are. And on the, on the same token. The Challenger is never going to be your chosen track car. I'm sure that the Hellcat is probably going to be a decent track car for a Challenger, but it is sure. a large, heavy car. These are not; these are two terms you don't want to have in your track car. My track car is both large and heavy. <laughs> said no one ever. Okay, so I. Oh well, you know that a guy like John Hennessy is going to get a hold of this car and he's going to tune it up to a thousand or more. And take it on some straightaway in Texas or something. It'll Texas be that, mile. Yeah, it'll be that stretch of freeway. It'll be that stretch of freeway that, that's un, that's 85 miles an hour. Yeah. And they'll close it again for John Hennessy. And we'll all watch the video, and it will be very impressive. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying this isn't cool. I think it's very cool. I also think it's ridiculous in the truest definition of that word. Well, you know, at a car, a car like that that is not in race car form, a streetcar has power putting its power down to the track. Unlike a race car, which has aerodynamics and a specifically race-tuned chassis and race-tuned setup, it can put its power down to the track, to the wheels, a lot more effectively than just some streetcar with a boatload of horsepower like this. Yeah, so in that yeah, case, yeah. you're right. What What is this for? Unless you are sponsored by 
a tire company and you have the tire company <laughs> splashed across the side of the car and you do burnouts daily and change your rear tires daily for all the kindergarten kids coming out of class. Yeah, I I don't understand what it's for either. It's cool. And yeah, we but... <laughs> we want to see that smoking uh, tire destroying video. Maybe maybe Matt Fair will do that for us. We want to see that tire destroying video maybe and it will be fun and I'm sure driving this car will be <laughs> I'm sure we will both be laughing. But I think we will be laughing at the sheer absurdity of 707 horsepower in this car. I mean, you get home from work, come home, get home from work, change your rear tires, get ready for the next day. It's going to be a daily occurrence if you like own this car. Some people charge their electric car. I put my car, car up on the lift and I change all four tires exactly. and I go to work the next day. Exactly. Well, you know, so I, I, oh, man. I want to mention two other cars and then I want to go in comparison and then I want to go on to the car debate because I think the car debate actually from Eric relates to this question. But okay. that C7 Corvette we drove, obviously the new Z06 is going to just destroy the standard C7. Right. But 455 horsepower in the base version, 465 in the one we drove, that's an under four second zero to 60 car. Neither one of us ever went through that review going, you know what this car needs <laughs> is more power. <laughs> exactly. 455 horsepower in that, in that vet and and that's plenty. It's a great amount of power. Balanced really well for that chassis. Right. And here is 300 more almost. I mean, I'm just, Unreal. I'm boggled. And, okay, I have to go to the obvious underdog because it relates to discussion with Eric. The FRS BRZ. Okay. Two, 200 horsepower. Yeah. 200. 150 pound-feet of torque. Look at that next to this 707 horsepower figure. 600, 600 pound-feet of torque. I mean, it's it's... It, oh my gosh! This, I, I I sit here astounded because the thing about the FRS BRZ, yes, we all discuss it underpowered, but it's balanced. Mm -hmm. it, I, you cannot get over that, folks. You can't can't overstate that. And the dichotomy between these two cars, nobody is going to win any arguments or bar fights against the Challenger or against most cars driving an FRS BRZ. But I submit to you that you may be having more fun. I just saw this on Twitter somewhere. I forget who was asking the question, but it was it was the question, would you rather drive a slow car at the top end of its limits, a slow car fast, and really extract the most performance out of it, much like a mm -hmm, BRZ mm -hmm. or FRS, or sure, sure. would you rather have some unbelievable horsepower car like this one, and mm -hmm. you really can't even use it anywhere but a, a long stretch of highway, open road, some sort of you know speed trap, you can't use that power anywhere but a closed course. You can't extract well, the most performance out of it. You're going to die. So Whenever whenever we have these better. cars on the street, I'm always struck by this fact whenever we have these cars on the street. And you know what? The C7 Vet is a great example. Whenever we have these cars for our review and we have them on the street, yes, I am a child. And I want to find those opportunities right. where I can put my foot to the carpet and get the laugh. I will do that. I'll do it in the Hellcat Challenger all day long. But here's the thing. You can do it for what? two, three seconds before right. you're at a speed that is so criminally, <laughs> I am going to prison insane that you have to back off. You have to. Either, either so, that or dental records won't even help. So yeah. Exactly. It's, so, 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 you're at, so you're at a point where you're driving this, you're driving this car at quarter throttle everywhere. Uh, it's some part of me just finds that annoying, honestly. Yeah, well, I, I don't think it's going to stop. The, where I see it going is where it's going now, and that is extracting that horsepower out of a, a smaller displacement engine, but it's going to be forced induction. Here is my 1,000-horsepower thimble. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I mean, what good is a 1,700-horsepower Nissan GTR? Where do you take this car? What do you do with it? I, 
to the shop. That's <laughs> exactly. where we take it. No, I want to. I want to exactly. try to move on to the the two car debates here, uh, specifically because I want to talk about Eric from New York that wrote us in, actually on Facebook. He has an interesting dilemma, and I feel like it relates indirectly to this horsepower question that we're talking about. He's talking about coming out of a lease soon, and he wants to get something more fun. Right now he drives a 2012 Kia Optima Turbo, okay? Now that is one of those cars, Kia and Hyundai, it's one of those cars where you can't believe how much car you got for your money, okay? But this is a a, a high sixes, uh, zero to 60, Mid-sized sedan. I mean, we're talking about the uh, you know the Camry fighter from Kia. Okay, right, interesting right. looking car. He's talking about wanting to be somewhere in the two fifty three hundred dollars per month range, hopefully on a lease. Um, and he's just throwing out a bunch of cars he's considered, but he would like to go rear wheel drive and fun car. Even though he's mainly, I mean, he does have winters to deal with. He's mainly talking about commuting, but he's he would his his preference is rear-wheel drive fun car. And you've got this list in front of you too, Paul. I'm just kind of curious what your initial thoughts are. You know, Eric, you uh, have told us you live in upstate New York, so there's snow in the winters, and Todd can talk to you all day long about driving in the winter (laughs) with a performance car, (laughs) especially a turboed car. Uh, But uh, you've mentioned to us, yes, there's some options out there, but you've mentioned that the 370Z and the Hyundai Genesis Coupe they're okay, but they are definitely in need of a refresh, and you know we're we're all eagerly awaiting what's next. And you've also yeah, talked yeah. about this Mustang and Camaro, not really doing it for you. So okay, the biggest question that you've got on here is why can't anybody build a rear-wheel drive, smaller, lighter car that's got a turbo four? And I say no, I I don't see anybody. <laughs> I don't see anybody that has actually really built that recipe. The things we're going to suggest are going to kind of be around that, but yeah. I, I, I don't think there's really anything that's bang on that's going to meet this and meet your requirements, especially for a lease. Which brings me back to something that is kind of off in the weeds at first, but it d- relates directly to your price. And first of all, that is this website, there's many like them called Swap Lease where you can look online mm, and mm, actually take over somebody's lease for that price. They might not be able to afford that car or whatever it is. So if, sure, if sure. Yeah. you're less concerned about the car and you really just want something in that price range, okay, you know, you might be able to find something interesting and just take over their lease. That is an interesting point, yeah. Um, it's, yeah, yeah. it's not necessarily a car. Um, so I've got a couple wild cards in here. I was looking up lease prices here, but the thing that stands out, you're talking about snow, and okay, this is not rear-wheel drive, but the thing that stands out to me is a used Subaru Impreza WRX. Because it's turboed, it's a turbo four, it does have decent handling, and it is mm-hmm, fairly mm-hmm. fun. Whether, you know, snowy, wet roads true. or it's dry, true, true. it is a fun car, and we have driven the prior generation, that was the 07 to 11 uh, generation WRX, and uh, so we drove that and found it to be a good car. And I suggest that because buying used, you might be able to find a purchase price that will keep you in that $250, $300 a month sure. range. It's not a lease. You know, generally you can't lease a used car. I get that. But that might keep you in that price range with something that's going to be good in the winter. It's a turboed four. 
it's yeah. going to be I mean, certainly if he wants if he wants to break the lease requirement and but he has that kind of money to spend there are quite a few options that you could run around and, and deal with eric i think you could go a lot of places but if you want to stay lease this is the part of this that i think becomes a really interesting debate if you want to stay with a lease car you actually brought up some things that are options in the price point and you've given us your thoughts on them you've said you're considering the uh, Kia Forte 5 Turbo, which is essentially Kia's Forte in their new turbo hatchback version. I'll be honest with you. It's a great-looking car. I think it's a pretty much mid-pack car sure. from a performance standpoint. I mean, the others you list here, you list the Focus ST, even though you don't like Fords. You list the GTI, which you're not sure about reliability. I mean, these are the standard questions. Uh, those are going to be better cars than the Forte. The Forte is going to be a great car for the money, but it's going to be mid-pack as far as probably enjoyment and performance. But here's the thing I find really interesting, and I just want to I just want to walk through this really quickly. You've got a Kia Optima, which we are all going to acknowledge is not a performance car. Right. It's right. just not. Okay. You don't want a 370 and a Genesis Coupe, which are kind of obvious in this rear-wheel drive category. But here's what I find kind of ironic. You want smaller and lighter than the 370 and the Genesis Coupe. You want rear-wheel drive. You want a lease of under $300 a month. And you want <laughs> decent highway mileage. <laughs> I hate to point out the obvious here, but you've actually just given me the build sheet for the FRS and the BRZ. There it is. If I had to think about checking boxes, that's that car. Now, right. you said you haven't driven them. You You don't want one because you're worried about they aren't powerful enough and they don't have enough torque. Well, two thoughts on that. First off, please drive that car. Because in spite of what we've said and what others have said about it being underpowered, honestly, it's as fast as your Optima. It's not turbo, but it is as sure. fast as your Optima. And if you're going to downshift your FRS BRZ on the freeway, get it into high RPMs, and floor it, I don't know that that Optima is going to feel that much more powerful than the, the FRS BRZ. I submit to you, the one of the twins would feel faster because it's lighter and, and more agile I think it would do it. The other thing about it is, and again, I know the numbers are bad. It's why we started talking about sure. numbers at the start of the night. Sure. But here's the other thing. I have a turboed Sabaru. Okay, it's a WRX wagon. All right, it's an 05 WRX wagon, essentially. My car is terrible from a start. Okay, <laughs> this is the classic turbo power. And Paul, Paul's driven it. Paul's yeah. been in it. I mean, my, my wife sometimes hates it because you leave in first gear and it's nothing, 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 nothing. And by 3,000 RPMs, it's kind of something. But by that point, <laughs> minivans have passed you, 18 wheelers are pulling away. You at that point. And then you're on turbo and you're blowing by people. My point here is the FRS BRZ do not have that problem. They actually feel pretty punchy off of zero. Yes, okay, there are minivans with more power. I've heard all the jokes. I've driven all these cars. I get it. But this is not a car that feels doggy off the line because it is so light and it's got a good amount of power initially. Then it's got that dip at about 3,500, sure. which is very annoying, I will acknowledge. But I, I really submit to you, Eric, go drive those cars because in every area but turbo, it's exactly what you're asking us to exist. There it is. You know, uh, Eric, I would add to that, if you haven't driven that, you're commenting here about the lack of torque being a deal breaker for you. Well, if you haven't driven it, do you know that that's a deal breaker for you? Because, yeah, if you that's keep fair. this engine above 4,000 RPM, it does make good power. And then when you're really getting close to redline, you think, okay, there's the power I'm looking for. Now, you can't obviously drive around everywhere like that. But, you know, if you really start to wring out this engine, 
it does have some power. It does have some good power. These are, <laughs> these are not cars that everyone's going to pass you in because, as Todd pointed out, they are pretty small and light. And the driving experience is pretty fun. And yeah, definitely. You know, if you're looking for that now, winters, you know, you, you again, you live in upstate New York. So, yes, you're going to have to switch out tires. You're going to have to get please, probably please two sets of wheels. Winter tires. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, and the easiest way to do that really is just to buy a second set of wheels. You know, maybe you get a larger size uh, wheel that is a nicer looking summer rim, maybe an inch or two bigger Probably maybe just one inch. Put your high-performance summer tires and, on that uh, guy. I see where you're yes. going. I see where you're going. Put your, yep, yep. put your performance tires on that. It looks better yep. in, the, in the summer. And then when you get uh, you know snowy winters, go back to the original wheel size and get some you know, really good winter tires. Yep. Yeah. Maybe at that point, please, not having a Bridgestone Blizzak, please sponsor us because I will say Bridgestone Blizzak at least twice per episode exactly. if we come up talking about winter. I'm just going to do it. It's going to happen anyway. Well, that and the cars that we look up on a site that trades autos. Uh, not trying to be too obvious here, but that's the other <laughs> site that needs to sponsor us. Anyway. Uh, so, I mean, really, honestly, Eric, I know it seems strange that we've kind of tried to corner you back into those cars, but I say drive them and get back to us because almost everything you're looking for is in those cars with the possible exception of. We wish they had a turbo. And I'm going to go off into the weeds for a second and say, okay. I know this is really insane, but there is a kit out there that I was just reading about recently mm. that is an electric low PSI turbo for these FRS BRZ. And it sounds insane. It sounds like complete just smoke and mirrors uh, <laughs> engineering. Sounds like but snake it oil, doesn't it? Exactly. It, it exists. It's being tested. People with these cars are liking it. I, I don't have the guy's name. I'd love to get his name. But uh, I'd love to test one for that matter. But the, everything I've heard about them and read about them, because I got curious about what are the ways to solve this, because I, I really like these cars. And that is an interesting way to create some initial punch out of those cars they don't actually have without going full supercharger, that kind of thing. It's a thought, and it's also easily removable if you have a lease car. Yeah, um, especially if you have a lease. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Which could be yeah, yeah. I'm going I'm to make two other comments, and I want to move on if we can. But uh, you could look at the Veloster Turbo. Again, we're front-wheel drive uh -huh, again. You uh -huh. are going to be able to find a good lease deal on that. It's in that Kia Hyundai family. Uh, it's a quirky little car. It's going to, you know what, even in its non-turbo form, it's actually surprisingly fun to drive. We thoroughly enjoyed the one we had. Uh, in turbo, it gets a little bit better. I think it, it kind of overwhelms itself a little bit in turbo, is my understanding. Um, but... Uh, you know, I, we've actually had a couple of people just recommend that the new R-Spec Turbo we really need to drive, so we're kind of looking into that yeah, already. Yeah, we're pretty curious. But the, but the Veloster is a surprisingly fun little car. Uh, it stays front-wheel drive. It's in that uh, Forte 5 Turbo kind of sure. family. Yeah. Again, I don't think it's going to be as competitive as the ST or the GTI. I mean, those are going to be better all-wheel, I mean, front-wheel drive uh, little power hatches. But it's worth looking at. And then also, if we're talking about random things, MX-5... Hello, you could probably get an MX-5. Yeah, you, you probably could. That's that's some interesting choice. Well, before we move on, I'll just throw one thing out there, and that was this lease that caught my eye. It's it's random. It's a little bit high-end. It might not appeal okay. to you, but it is, it is okay. a sedan, and we just recently drove it. That's the Mercedes-Benz CLA. I just saw a lease for 329 bucks. Okay, hmm. you could get into something like that. Ah, that's kind of compelling. If you can swing a something like that, that was a, a pretty fun car to drive, turboed four, front-wheel drive, yep. and yep. quite a nice car. I'm pretty impressed with what Mercedes is doing these days. So I was just looking for uh, for just price alone in that price yeah, range. In lease, and in lease numbers, that's interesting. I mean, I think it would be – I think it would feel – 
you know, and, and I'm not saying this to insult the Optima at all, but I think it would feel a lot more fun and interesting than your Optima, mm-hmm. even though it wouldn't feel like a sports car by, well, it might feel like a sports car by comparison, <laughs> it but may. it wouldn't be a sports car compared to the other things we've talked about. The other things we talked about are sportier cars, but it would probably feel like a sports car compared to your Optima. Sure. All right. Well, we can move on to Matt in Florida. And yeah, I Matt like this has one a lot, in. actually. This is very interesting, and I <laughs> I had a lot of fun with this one. Matt is in the market for a modern sports sedan. He's looking for something that can fit he and his family, his wife and his parents, comfortably. Uh, he's looking to keep this budget at fifteen to 25 k Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Something 85,000 miles or less, so obviously that tells us used. And he's driven a lot of front-wheel drive cars, so he's looking for something rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive because of the weather. He's in Florida. He's kind of tired of front-wheel drive. Well, actually, the weather's weather's not an issue. He's just saying that he just wants something rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive for the the different feel. Sure. He's just tired of front-wheel drive. I mean, I don't think Florida is going to have any weather that is going to matter ever. (laughs) Well, the the occasional hurricane that blows through, but yes. Well, yes. (laughs) Definitely not. But uh, those are just reasons to not live in Florida. They're not reasons to buy an (laughs) all-wheel drive car. But anyway. All right, Matt. So you've written in with quite a list of things you're looking for and cars you've found in that range. And I found this very fascinating. So... Uh, Very just, detailed uh, email, by the way, Matt. Thank you for that. And you've actually given us a lot of good guidance. What's also interesting in here yeah. is that he mentions that he that he has a company that he's used before for getting uh, warranties on his used cars, and they've actually been very successful in getting those warranties and then paying off for him. Now, i got to be honest with you, you may have found kind of a needle in a haystack because I, my experience with those warranties on used cars has not been successful, but kudos to you for finding one that works. So yeah. that also, yeah. I feel like, takes a little bit of the sting out of the possibility of finding some used car that might be a reliability concern because he's got that warranty theoretically to fall back on a bit. Now, it's not a guarantee, and you know you don't necessarily want a car always in the shop no matter what, but that right, also right. takes a little bit of that sting away. And he's asked for a lot of things here. I mean, he's wanting rear seat air conditioning. Uh, he's wanting good handling, something a little bit classy, uh, decent tech options, memory seats. I mean, he's, he's looking for something that's got a little bit of a high-end feel. I mean, we've, we've definitely walked away from things like the WRX, for example, because it's just sure. not yep. meeting a lot of his needs. Yep. You know, the thing that caught my eye, Matt, in your description here was that you like cars that are quick and cars that you don't anticipate being quick and you love sleepers. Mm -hmm. And I do, too. I am right with you. And reading through this list of cars that you identified. So you're looking at uh, used BMW 3 Series. interesting on this list, actually. Uh, Go on. Sorry, sorry. Used BMW 3 Series. You've got a Cadillac ATS and CTS in here. Some Mercedes, Audi, some more Mercedes Benzes, uh, some sedans. Okay, so yes, we're definitely looking probably at four-door sedans here. Reading through this list, I believe I've found your car. I'm, oh, really? I'm pretty confident that I can nail this one. Okay, and well, well, hang on just a second. Th- Before, a, I, I want to hear, I want to hear, but here's my only thought here. What you're dealing in here, this list of things you've sent us is all essentially... BMW 3 Series or 5 Series and their competition. That's kind of the area you're looking mm-hmm. in. You've listed like 10 cars, and I want to run through them quickly in a minute. But you've got me intrigued, Paul. Where, what You think you've got the sniper shot, so go for it. I, I kind of do. Uh, all right, all right. What, what I've taken into consideration here is the warranty that you're talking about. Uh, you're looking at possibly doing some light tuning to it, uh, maybe doing some of the maintenance yourself. And any of these yeah. cars that you've listed with the exception of the Cadillac, all of them are German or, you know, higher-end Japanese cars. And therefore, any tuning that you do to them is going to be 
sort of that next level of more expensive tune. It's going to cost you more. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know how much you're going to really enjoy working on these cars because they're you know, more expensive, more complicated German cars. Sure. So I come back to that. Uh, I, I'm going to actually start with the wild cars out in the weeds. I'm going to make you wait. All right. All right. I'm, I'm, go I'm intrigued, man. Go for it. I'm going to go, gonna go way out into the weeds here, and it's going to tell you the kinds of sleepers that I love. It's This is sort of the uh, right. the cars that have intrigued me for years. And again, I'm not recommending you go buy these cars because at any point, higher mileage German cars are going to start to not be worth the money. But you've yeah. got this budget That's that you're trying roll. to stick to. So... That's the dice roll for sure. Yeah, how do you rectify, you know, that nice car you've always admired, and now it's you can actually afford it? But as we've talked about on prior podcasts, it isn't the price of the car; it's the price of the the maintenance and the upkeep. price of the ownership. Price of the ownership. The the, the floor is yours, my friend. Come on, right, let's do it. All right, Land so the plane. way out in the way out in the weeds is the O one to O three Audi S eight. That is a sleeper if there ever yeah. was one. It's a huge car. Yeah. If you can find a nice one. Yeah, gobs of power. They were well built, all aluminum. They're not the most, cla- I mean, they're classy, but they're mo- not the most interesting car to look at. I get that they're almost invisible, but I oh, they always caught my eye. I just thought they were hot, but again, they might cost you more in the long run. Second one is the '92 and '93 Mercedes-Benz 500e. Now this was a car <laughs> built by Porsche. It had wider fender flares, V8. They're all the ones you can find, they're rare, and they've got high miles, and again, it's going to be something that's probably going to cost you, you an arm You've asked our friend Matt to go find himself a beat-down <laughs> unicorn. That's what you've just recommended. I know, The chances know. of him I'll... finding that car in the first place are almost impossible, and then finding one that is actually going to run well and not put him in the poorhouse is a beat-down unicorn, Matt. They're cool <laughs> as hell. I'm telling you, they're awesome, but really? I know. No, I'm... 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 I'm, I'm Go I'm on, not saying go, go on. buy these cars, but it just gives you an insight as to how how much I love sleepers uh-huh. like you do. Okay, yes. so I'll bring it back, and that is the 2003 03 to 06 Mercedes-Benz E55. That thing was a sleeper, and that had gobs of power. Now, yeah. Yeah, they yeah. are now at a price range where you could probably afford them. I just don't know, again, on this list, where they fit in in terms of maintenance. Because anything at the higher mileage, 85000 is lots really going to start to Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots. Wait, what, what yeah. now? Sorry, See, did somebody say something? That's the worry. So, yeah, you can afford all these cool you know, German cars that were awesome, but now they might start to cost you. So... Is everybody ready for this recommendation? I I think. All right, I, I, I'm I'm more than ready. I'm I'm past ready. All Give right. it to me. Let's go. Here it is. It is the 2008 or 2009 Pontiac G8. It is that is a superb recommendation. Easy to work on. It's a Chevy yeah. for crying out loud. You can tune this thing yeah. into oblivion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you live in Florida. You've seen those cigarette boats down there. They're not putting Ford engines in those boats. They're putting Chevys in them. <laughs> you can tune these things into oblivion. You, they're yeah, easy they're to work on. They're great. It's a yeah. Chevy. I mean, no worries there. It's going to be fast. The GXP had 415 horsepower. And if you just saw a review on the most recent the Chevy SS, SS yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. we giggled like idiots doing burnouts everywhere in that car. And Decent interior, good yeah. size. I mean, what's interesting is I think the interior of that car, because let's be honest, it's an Australian interior, so it's not even a, an American GM interior. I think it's better than the equivalent interiors GM was doing at the same time. Yeah. It's got a little bit more of a European feel. 
Uh, that's a great recommendation, actually. Even in, even in V6 form, that car is interesting. You can get it in a manual if, if you want. I had not thought of that at all, and I actually completely back you up there. That's quite impressive. Interesting. Well, I just I thought of that car, and just reading through the description, because you want to do some light mm-hmm. tuning. Okay, there we go. Yeah, Any yeah, light yeah. tuning you do to a German car, uh, you start to mess with things, and just might not be reliable. Chevy, come on, it's a Chevy. And yeah. man, is this thing going to be quick. It's going to be a sleeper. Four people comfortably. It's a big car. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about some of these other, you know, things you've got in here, you know, rear seat air conditioning, memory seat, that kind of thing. But if you can find one in the 25K range, 25, 28. Yeah, I think, and, I think and you can, love it. you can. I really the, do. I don't know that you're going to get into the full, the full boat GXP V8 425, but sure. maybe, maybe. But you can certainly get into one of those cars for this money, and I agree with you, man. That is a that is a great call across the board on this, and I don't think you could go wrong there. I, and, and here's the thing: yes, Pontiac no longer exists. Yes, the G8 right. no longer exists. Right. But all the parts do. Exactly. This is you're not getting into anything where the parts don't exist like crazy. So that's the thing about it that's nice to defend. I think that's a superb list, Paul. I actually want to run down his list real quick and just do a couple yeah, word commentary on his actual list. And then you've given me an idea for a wild card that I want to throw out that I hadn't even thought of until something you said sparked me. Okay, but right. G8 is cool, by the way. So anyway, so you said two different prior generation 3 Series, two different E93 Series, one the 335i and one the 335d. If it were me, I'd go diesel. Uh, there, mm. It's great for all the commuting stuff. They've, those things have got so much power off the start. I mean, obviously, the weirdest thing is the fact that at 4,500 RPMs, you're already shifting, which is true of all of these diesel engines. It's just strange to get used to. But you know what? I would just say diesel. The 335i is, is a nice engine. It's a good car, but the diesel is pretty much just as good with better gas mileage the way you're going to be using it. I say, why not? Now, I don't know about the tunability of that reality, but right. of those two uh, E90 sedans, uh, since you're not talking M3s, you're talking standard ones, I would just say diesel. You've said the new Cadillac ATS 2-liter turbo. Of everything on your list, and of course, I'm just starting your list, everything on your list, it's probably the most agile car on your whole list. But it's kind of an average interior compared to some of these others. It doesn't have necessarily the prestige feel, and that two-liter turbo is probably a little bit. It's not quite. It's going to be tunable, but it's going to be a little under-engined, I think, for for that it's car. A bit of a heavier car there. Yeah, and and it's you know that's a that's the smallest engine on this whole list by a good margin. <laughs> right. You've listed the prior generation CTS Cadillac. Uh, I we actually really like that car. Yeah. It's a good car. Yeah. It's better than people think. Good room. It does feel dated compared to even the ATS, though. I mean, they are improving their interiors by that type of speed. So the new ATS, and then, of course, now the upcoming just exists now CTS, are a good step forward in interiors. So I think that would be the thing about the CTS. It might feel like it's aging quickly. The prior-gen Mercedes-Benz C-Class sedan is my definition of, eh. Yeah. I just, that car has, short of the C63 AMG, I never found that car compelling in any any guys I ever drove it in. It's just it's fine, but if I'm gonna drive drive a German car, I want it to feel better than fine. Yeah. You've listed the BMW 5 Series, uh, maybe. Um, I think that might be a stretch here. I think the reliability questions are gonna come into play. I like the size of that. I think that could be I could meet all of your needs for sure. You're gonna have to shop carefully on that and be careful of high mileage. That would be my only recommendation there. The prior, the Infiniti G37 sedan, 
good engine. I feel like the materials in that interior seem to age quickly. I don't know why that is, but all the ones I see that are older, I just feel like the interior pieces are aging yeah. fast. Yeah, it does seem that way. Agreed. And for whatever reason, those back seats are tight because the front seats are huge. So of the stuff on your list, those back seats are actually kind of tight yeah. for a car that is kind of a large car. The A4 sedan, uh, you know what? I like that car. I don't think it's a standout car on this list. I'm skipping one because I want to come back to it. You've also listed the E the E series, the E class Mercedes Benz, the E350. I think that is in the uh, the five series range. It's uh, if you can find a good one, low mileage, and it compels you, great. I personally don't find that car compelling, but there's no like major strike against it while I don't like it. However, that leaves me with the last thing on your list: the right. 06 to 2012 Mercedes Benz CLS 500. And I looked at that on your list, and I said, "No way!" And then I looked it up. And realized, yes, for this money, you can go get one. Really? I am floored by that. I looked this up. He is absolutely right. Matt, bravo on Shopping Smart. You can find a CLS 500 for this money. Of your list, that one and the Diesel 335 are my two favorites. A CLS for this kind of money, that is a classy-looking car. It is it's not really a sleeper because it is kind of a noticeable car. It obviously is the older body style, but I like the older body style better, if I can just go out and say that. Decent room. Uh, this is an interesting car. It can be, depending upon the version you find, a fast car. It has the personality that I think the E-Class the e and the C-Class you've listed don't have. I think of the list you sent us, that's my favorite by a long shot. I would be a little concerned because the prices have dropped so so fast. This may be one of those cars that is just expensive to continue to own. Sure, sure. But you are talking about getting yourself a warranty. I think it's going to help you there. I think that car is a find at this price point. That's interesting. Now, I had no idea you could get those cars for that money. Oh, that was the thing. I read his list and went, no way. and looked yeah. it up and went, no, Matt, you are right, man. CLS 500 Bravo on a interesting find. I I say definitely go drive that car and see if it speaks to you because that is that's that's a true find here that mm. can meet all your needs. Which brings me to my only wild card, which you uh, made me think of. Uh, right. But uh, but that's quite a list you sent us, by the way, Matt. And I hope this has been a little bit helpful to just get some broad strokes. But I like your G8. I like your S8, by the way. Okay. But I'm going to say Volkswagen Phaeton. Okay. What year? What are they? 05, 06? That's well. I mean, they only made them for two or three years. It's like 05, 06, or maybe 05 to 07. Yes. I mean, that's the, uh, they're but, actually still but, making them, I believe. They just haven't brought them to the country. To well, the yeah. US, I, I'm, but, least. I mean, we're talking, but, yeah. let's be honest. This is in the, in the U.S. You're not going to find I mean, he's, he's buying right. in Florida. The, the fact that they've continued to make them in Europe is mostly irrelevant. Hopefully, they'll bring them back. But that is an, that is an underappreciated car because, let's be honest, it was a $100,000 Volkswagen, so no one bought it. But it is massively over-engineered. Yeah. It, is, it has everything you ever thought you wanted on a car and some things you never thought of. They are big. They have every extra thing you would like to have in this car is in the Phaeton. Now, they are heavy, but they are now cheap, too. You have twenty grand in your pocket. You can find yourself a nice Phaeton. This and the ones that are high mileage are high mileage because they were used... As uh, limos, that's why they're high sure. mileage. They were used for long-term commute cars. They weren't beat on, so I, I think if you want a total sleeper, unexpected choice, I would say Phaeton has got to be on that list. Matt, that's really interesting. Those cars were built, or still are built, on the same assembly line in Dresden, Germany, as the Bentley 
uh, Continental with that W12. Yep. Yep. So it does mm-hmm. come with that W12 engine, but I would say avoid that motor because anything that breaks or any maintenance is probably <laughs> going to be more expensive than just the standard V8. So if you find well, one, let's be honest. Just go the for the W12. V8. You've bought a car with two V6s, so it's right. going to cost you by paying for working on the engine twice. Let's just think of it that way. Yeah. Get the V8, save yourself the hassle, but Phaeton yes, would exactly. be an interesting oddball choice, I have to say, Matt. Give, give these a look. Give these a drive. We'd love to hear what your thoughts are. We hope this has been helpful to you. I think that does come with rear seat air conditioning, as a matter of fact. That you comes with everything. You might have nailed that. If it that. was available on a car in the mid-2000s or somebody thought it should be available on a car, congratulations, it's now in the Phaeton. <laughs> Interesting choice. Well, we are just about out of time, so we will we are out of time. wrap up and say join us and follow us. And I want to call out two things that we are continuing okay. to learn about as our podcast grows. And that is, first of all, from a website called Shifty Jelly. That is Pocket Cast. So if you're not yep. listening to us on iTunes and do not prefer iTunes, you can find us on Pocket Cast. And there's another one that we're investigating that we just joined, and that's called Stitcher. So yep, if you, you prefer find us on Stitcher. Stitcher. Those two are pretty interesting, and again, if you're not interested in iTunes or you you don't have that platform, that's just fine. Hopefully, you've already found us on these platforms, and we're continuing to investigate more, so really appreciate you listening uh, on any platform. Wherever and however you're listening, please rate us and give us a review. You can also, of course, listen on uh, Shout Engine. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say, get your own damn podcast for the benefit of our friend Chris Hayes, who helps us with uh, our Shout Engine. Chris is the man. Appreciate that. Yep. And uh, and and yes, so you can also listen on Shout Engine if you if you need to. But uh, but here's the thing, uh, I my understanding is Pocket Cast does not currently allow reviews and ratings, but Stitcher does. If you're listening through Stitcher, you can leave us a okay, rating there, great. and they have an algorithm great. that will help us climb to the top. You guys' ratings has helped us be in the top ten. Little us, we've been in the top ten of the automotive podcasts on iTunes many, many, many times. We are very thankful for that. That's entirely because you guys are yes. rating and reviewing, and that's what We're does excited. it. Please keep doing it. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on YouTube. You can find our website. The thing you need to know is Everyday Driver. That's where to find us on all of these. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, our website. We're all of these places. Just look. Please share. <laughs> we love having you guys with us. Thank please, you for the response on please, this podcast, yeah, by the way. It's this been is great. fantastic. It's been so good. We're very excited. Thank you so much for listening and uh, looking forward to the next one. Talk to yeah, you Yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. 